and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I am joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? What's up, David? Are we going to talk about three-pointers again? We are going to talk about three-pointers again. <laughs> We're also not going to have this episode be entirely out of date by the time uh, this people are listening to this, because uh, we've finally gotten off the uh, Monday-Wednesday uh, cycle that we've been on Um now, Heat uh, obviously won. Uh, we're recording this Wednesday afternoon. Heat won last night uh, in blowout fashion against the Pacers, 125-96. to uh, Tyler Hero with a big game. Uh, Heat ties the franchise record for three-pointers. Uh, I got to say, like, maybe this was an obvious take, but we really nailed our take that the Heat, uh, to survive during this stretch without Jimmy Butler and without Bam, and, and we're now, you know, the Heat have won – what is it, like five out of seven? Um, that's yeah, not obviously so. exactly in line with, I, I think, when those guys both went out, I think. But uh, they're six it, and five without since Bam went out. So. Yeah, since Bam went out. But, you know, five, they, they've kind of figured it out, it feels like, over the last couple of games. And the, the recipe for that is just uh, bomb three-pointers. And if you make a high percentage of them, uh, you're going to win. And, um, you know, I think it's, ex- it's pretty much exactly what we said was going to have to happen for the Eaton, you can wonder how much is sustainable, how much of it is kind of the luck of, of shots go in some nights, shots don't go in other nights. But, um, you know, we talk about the Heat trying to steal wins when, when all these guys were out, when they're really shorthanded, and, and they've been doing it. Uh, shoot 45% from three last night. Um, for now, the recipe is working. The good news is it doesn't have to work all year long, but but for now it's, you know, they're, they're just, piling up wins kind of all of a sudden, even with these guys out. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I spoke when this stretch began, or especially when Bam went out. I don't even right. think Jimmy was, like, had re- he had re-aggravated his injury yet, but we talked about them just kind of just hovering on 500, just surviving, right? Mm-hmm. And they're 6-5, and five, which is basically hovering around 500, but just lately, I mean, 5-2, and two, and you include their four-game you know four game trip is you know, in the middle of that stretch. Um, and they're doing this without not only Bam and Jimmy, but Tyler missed three of those games. PJ missed you know, last night's game against the Pacers. Um, you know, it's, it, they're missing their two best players, but they're also missing a lot of contributors as well. You know, Markeith is another one who's a rotation player. Yep. And they're just finding ways, and it's it's really impressive. Obviously, um, I honestly did not expect this. Um, you know, I, I knew they would need to make threes to win. Um, I did not expect them to, like, tie the franchise record twice in the last seven yeah, games to been, do that. They've been, I think, 19-plus in three games during this stretch, I think. Like, they've been they've been gunning for it. Like, they're... More, I think it might be three or four. Like, three yeah, or four games, I think, 18-plus or something. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just... It's kind it of... Last night, 10 of their first 11 shot attempts for three-pointers, I think. Um, you know, they, they're, they're gunning, like... They know that's the recipe right now, obviously. Yeah, they're they're shooting forty one point nine percent, so basically forty two percent on threes over the last seven games, and they've tied their franchise record of twenty two makes in a game twice in that span. Um, this is one of the best shooting stretches in franchise history, obviously. Yeah, um, and they picked a pretty good time for that. You know, when their two best offensive players are out, um, and you know, it's some of it is obviously the shot making. Um, some of it is, you know, they really, I suppose, really put in a good defensive system to kind of make up for losing 
Um, yeah. Their best defensive players where, where they're really comfortable playing in the zone and they're familiar with it because they've done it for so long. And they kind of toggle back and forth between man and zone. And that really gives teams trouble. Especially like the Pacers last night, they couldn't figure out when the zone was coming, when it wasn't. And it was tough to kind of build a consistent attack against the Heat's defense. And they, the Heat have done that now. They kind of make up and cover up some of their defensive limitations um, by, by just you know schematically kind of keeping teams off balance. Um, so it's a really impressive job, I suppose. It's a really impressive job by the back end of the Heat's roster, kind of stepping in. Max Drews, Gabe Vincent, you know, even Omar Yurt Seven has really yep. given them good minutes off the bench with rebounding. KZ had one of his best games of his career um, on Tuesday against the Pacers. So just impressive all around. Um, and yeah, this might be. We might look back at this stretch and say, this is why the Heat finished with home court. You know, finished the yeah, season with home court in the first round because yeah. they survived I mean, the stretch. We we when Bam went down, uh, I don't remember exactly. That was what like at very end of November, uh, beginning of December when Bam went down. Um, you know, I remember we 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 basically kind of our, our assumption was that this team was going to kind of be fighting for the four seed, um, and probably more likely going to be a five or six, just because you know you figure you're going to lose a lot of games when Bam is out. Um, a stretch like this, like you said is at the point where, you know, I think the Heat are on a 49-win pace right now, and that's obviously with everything that has worked against them. Like, this, this team, I mean, obviously, like, you, you never know, but should be a 54-win team, something like that, right? Assuming these guys all get healthy, you gotta, you've got you played more road games than anyone else in the league. Like, it, 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 this stretch is the one that went from this is going to be a dogfight to the end to the Heat might be in, in really good shape to, uh, you know, be the third seed coming once we get to the end of the year, um, obviously helped a little bit by the Bulls, um, COVID issues, and, and the Heat. You know, it's interesting that we're talking about the Heat being shorthanded, and I feel like everyone around the league is talking about their teams being shorthanded. Yeah. But Oops. for the most part, it's because of COVID. The Heat have obviously really had one uh, COVID issue with Caleb Martin. It's been injuries, but you know, the timing has probably been a little fortunate. Where you know they they beat the Bulls at home in a game where. The Heat's missing a lot of guys, but the Bulls are missing a lot of guys. Um, you know, every night it feels like a the team they're playing is missing at least one role player or something. Uh, so the Heat, are, it, it's probably a little bit fortunate timing that this is happening now rather than at the end of the year, maybe even the beginning of the year when the Heat, uh, when the whole league is healthy. But, uh, you know, it, like you said, it could be this, the stretch of the season that kind of, I don't want to say saves the season, but, you know, keep puts them in really good position to make a real run uh, in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And like you said, probably, you know, they're, they're certainly a favorite right now to get home court, I would say. Yeah, and, and yeah, like you make a good point. The schedule has helped. Yeah, they, you know, they beat Milwaukee at pretty much full strength. That was impressive. Yep. The Bulls are very shorthanded um, because of COVID issues. They beat Philly, who Philly is just tough to figure out, right? right. I mean, yeah. it was at Philly. That's a quality win, I think, either Definitely. way. But Yeah, I mean, you look at the wins in this stretch are good wins in this stretch. Yeah. But yeah, there's but a lot like, of but then like or, caveats. Right, but then like Orlando, right? I mean, Orlando was <laughs> playing like four guys that they just called up from Lakeland because yeah, they had an outbreak on the like, roster. Yeah, and Orlando's one of the worst teams in the league. Um, and I mean, it just shows you kind of that Detroit loss on Sunday just shows you up in the margin of errors for this team right now. Yeah. Um, they don't hit 23s in that game. I think they hit 13 and shot like 30 something percent, like low 30 percent. Um, and they lose by, uh, by 10 to the worst team in the NBA who had lost 14 straight. 
But the next game, they hit 22 threes, and they beat the Pacers by 29 points. So um, it's the recipes, the formula is pretty clear right now, right. Um, and it's working. I'm not, again, like you said, this, this do, it doesn't have to be sustainable, and it's not sustainable. Um, but as long as they keep winning some of these games, I mean, they have Detroit up again on Thursday, um, and then Orlando again on Sunday. So, I mean, they could be, they could have seven wins in their last nine games by the end of the yeah. week. Yeah. Um, without Jimmy and Bam and Tyler and some of that and PJ also, like, you know, that's, I don't know. I mean, what do you think this stretch says about Spo? I mean, we, we know how good um, he is. Obviously, yeah. Everyone knows how good he is as a coach. But what do you think this stretch says about him? Well, I'm just, so this five, these five wins in seven games are since Jimmy Butler re-aggravated his, his tailbone, right? He played yes. at Grizzlies game. They lost. That's what, yeah. They lost. And then now, so the last seven, they've known basically that, Obviously, they know they don't have Bam, and they knew they were going to be missing. You know, he didn't go on the road trip, so they knew they were going to be missing him for an extended stretch too. And I'm just looking at like you. You look at you know, I have the ESPN uh, schedule up because I, I like that uh, formatting on their schedule, and and what they do on that schedule is they show you the high points, high rebounds, high assists in each game. And I'm just gonna like read you some of the names that are popping up here: Bucks high scorer, uh, Caleb Martin, high rebounder, Casey Okpala. Uh, Cavs, high scorer, P.J. Tucker, he's high in everything in that game. Uh, Sixers, high scorer, uh, Gabe Vincent, high rebounder, Dwayne Dedman. Uh, Orlando, high scorer, Struess, high rebounder, Yurtseven. Pistons, high scorer, Struess, high rebounder, Yurtseven. Uh, Pacers, high rebounder, Yurtseven. Um, I mean, it's really just like they're able to throw anyone in there. You know, those are all guys who we thought were, other than P.J. Tucker, who we obviously knew was going to play a lot, although I don't know if I would have ever guessed that he was going to have a game with 23 points, nine rebounds. Yeah. Five <laughs> right. Um, but the rest of those guys, I just read off. Those are all guys that we thought were going to be like back of the rotation guys, right? Like you're eight, nine, uh, you know, maybe seven, depending on what, what you thought about where Max Strews' role was going to be like. Those are not guys that we thought, you know, Omar Yurtsev was not playing a lot early in the year. Casey Opala has not been has not played a lot consistently all year. Like, he, but any, Gabe, Gabe Vincent either. Gabe Vincent, right? Like oh. he was supposed to be the like emergent breaking case of emergency guard. Um, the fact that I mean that that says it all, right? You look at those names, and again, a lot of teams right now. If you look at their um their their stat lines like that with all the COVID issues around the league, you're you're going to see stuff like that. But you know the heat. This goes back to this stretch, not specifically this five out of seven, but this stretch without Bam, without Jimmy, goes back before the COVID issues, and it was still like every you know Max Struess, twenty five points uh, at Milwaukee, um, you know Dwayne Dedman obviously has, has had to start a lot. Like it, it, that kind of says it all that no matter what kind of pieces they put in there, like you said, there's a system. Um, I think you know the interesting thing is that that Spo kind of early in this stretch. It was one of their – I think it was the, the Chicago game. They hit 19 threes, and he basically said, you know, shooting is a strength of ours. And the numbers probably didn't necessarily bear that out early in the year when Duncan was struggling. Um, but I think they kind of knew they had the pieces to make – like to manufacture an offense by shooting a lot of threes, and he's adjusted really well to do that. It's obviously not something he likes to do. He, I, he doesn't like to play like – you know, the James Harden Rockets or, or all these other teams that are, are just spacing it out for shooters around a guard who ISOs. Um, 
but he knows it's, it's what works and it's working right now to, to manufacture an offense. And then, as you mentioned, the, the zone stuff on defense, you know, we always talk about the zone as a changeup. Well, a changeup doesn't work if you throw a changeup every single pitch, right? The changeup works when you throw it in there randomly. Uh, and I like the way they're doing it now, like you mentioned with the Pacers, where it kind of felt just like random when they were doing it. And it throws guys off. And, and I think, you know, I, the, the MVP of this stretch, I would probably have to say, is Kyle Lowry. But obviously, Spo is, is probably number two. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, to your point, I think this team is deeper than we even thought, right? Yeah. I mean, they have, you know, they have probably the sixth man of the year on the roster. Right, Tyler exactly. Hero. That, that helps have, a lot. The fact that Tyler is as good as he is makes everything yeah. easier. They have one of the best backup centers in the league, Dwayne Dedman, I think. I mean, I don't think he's received enough credit just kind of how he's yeah. filled in for Bam. He's basically averaging a double-double, um, and – surprisingly, I think he's like, I don't even know, it's like 17 or 16, like 25 on threes or something this season. Like, it's something ridiculous like that. It doesn't take many, but when he takes them, he usually makes them. Um, and then, you know, Max Struess has, is in the middle of one of the best stretches of his career. Had a career high on Friday. Um, very good score off the bench. Um, like, legit NBA rotation player right there. Yeah. And then if Marquise is healthy... That's your top nine. I mean, that's a really good rotation. He's still not even talking about Gabe Vincent, who's played very well during this time, too. And, you know, Omar Yurtsevin is rebounding. He, he, honestly, Yurtsevin might be the best rebounder on the team, even when Bam is healthy, I think. Yeah. Just because he's just... I mean, Bam might be the third best rebounder on the team because Deadman's a great rebounder, too. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I mean, Bam might be the third best rebounder. I mean, uh, you know, they have a lot of... We know that his player development program is very good, um, but you're kind of seeing it right now. Um, kind of just yeah, I guess maybe that's the second MVP. Yeah. MVP of the stretch is Kyle Lowry. MVP two is everyone involved with like the Heat development program, uh, and then third, the third star to, to borrow a hockey term, your top three stars: Lowry, Heat development team, Spo. Because yeah, again, Spo's great, but none of this would work if Max Struess didn't have the capability to yeah. score thirty-two points in an NBA game, which you know you can coach them up all they want, all you want. They have to be good at like just. Not a lot of guys can score 32 points in an NBA game. Yeah, and the scouting department, too. I mean, finding guys like right, exactly. Struz, who yeah. had, was coming back from a knee injury and was undrafted. Yurt Seven, who, you know, nobody really knew who he was before he broke out in Summer League, and he had signed him at the end of the last year. You know, Gabe Vincent, who, again, was a G League, good G League player, but was nothing yet in the NBA. It's just amazing how they find all these guys. I think last week while Tyler was out and they had 10 available guys, seven, seven of them were undrafted. Um, and only one of the guys who was available, you know, one of the three guys who was drafted was a first round pick, and that was Kyle Lowry. Um, it, it, it's pretty amazing what they've been able to do with this roster and kind of where all these guys come from. I feel like it's a little weird that uh, Struess, you know, we obviously have made such a big deal out of the Duncan Robinson D three to NBA thing. Struess went D two to the NBA. Like I don't know the why. Same that, story, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty similar story. And I will say, I think we've been a pretty pro Max Struess podcast all along. Um, I, I, you know, I, I thought he looked last year like a guy who was on the brink of being an NBA rotation player, but he's probably been the single biggest, like, obviously for a stretch like this to work, guys have to play above their expectations. Um, and he's been probably the single biggest, like, pleasant surprise on the roster when you look at it, like, kind of. When you think about it, his the expectation for him was that he was going to be what the eighth man and hit a couple take a couple open threes a game. Um, obviously, the 
he's been thrust into a bigger role because of the injuries. Like, we just didn't think, you know, and, and if they were totally healthy, he wouldn't have this opportunity. But the fact that he's been able to play this well and, you know, assert himself not just as a viable back-of-the-rotation player, but, you know, he's a guy who, if, if he keeps this up, he's going to get, like, a real legit NBA contract. Um, but he's signed through next year, I think, right? Two-year deal. So, yeah, um, not guaranteed next year, but they have the option. So, yeah. I'm sure so, you know, if, if he keeps this up and looks like this player and continues that trajectory for the next two years, like he's a guy who's going to, considering how much people value shooting these days, he's going to get like a real NBA contract probably uh, the after next season. And that is something that, you know, I don't know if, if we saw that coming. I don't know who would have seen that coming other than the Heat. Yeah. I mean, he's shooting 40% on threes this season on basically six attempts a game. That's that's elite. Yeah. <laughs> um, and during this during the seven-game stretch, he's doing 40% on eight attempts a game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I know everyone loves to compare him to Duncan Robinson, and they have similar stories, and, you know, their job on this team is the same. Yeah. But, you know, Max is not just a three-point shooter. And like you said, we, we've kind of seen that during this stretch, whether it's, you know, a dunk in transition and, you know, drive, you know driving layups or driving kick, uh, you know, finding teammates for for threes. Um, even defensively, he's pretty sturdy. Like he could he can hold his own defensively. Um, he's a pretty he's built very differently than Duncan. Duncan yeah. can make defense, can work on defense, get those long arms and deflects passes. But Struess has like a strong base and yeah. yeah, yeah, more strength. So I, yeah, I mean, Max has been really impressive. And yeah, I would imagine that on that minimum contract next year, he'll be back. <laughs> That's a pretty. <laughs> Bargain deal. It's kind of like that Duncan Robinson deal for those years when uh, you had him on a mar- on a minimum contract while he was uh, shattering records in the NBA and shooting and all t- you know putting together all time shooting seasons. So um, I-, I think you know I know it's kind of cliche and a lot of these guys probably won't even play when the team is healthy if it ever gets healthy. Um, but I think it is good for for guys like Yurt Seven and KZ to kind of build equity during this stretch and kind of earn the trust of teammates and coaches because that that matters, right? I mean, you, you might need them in the playoffs if someone goes down or, you know, with, with everything going on right now with COVID, I mean, you just never know who's available. The fact that you've seen them, you know, you have the evidence that they can contribute quality minutes and they have the experience of doing it over a consistent stretch. I mean, that can only be positive. Like, like that can only be positive for the Heat. And the fact that they're still winning while this is happening. If they were, like, 0-7 the last seven games – Probably would not be considered totally different. Yeah. yeah, but they're winning and they're getting that experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is in the end, you could maybe look back at this and say this has been a good thing for the Heat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, guys like like you said, you think about what this team's going to look like when they get fully healthy. Um, Yurt and Casey are probably not going to be in the rotation, but I think Struess is. You know, he is now not that the Heat were ever like not going to trust him, but like. You know, he's a guy that you can really feel good about being your eighth man or whatever. Like, it is, all these guys have gotten a, a chance to do a little bit more, show the team a little bit more, show Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry a little bit more, right? Like, those guys are veterans who want to be able to trust their guys. And, you know, Kyle Lowry certainly seems like he trusts Max Struess right now, right? And and he's a new newcomer to this Heat development program where he, um, you know, obviously bought into to everything the Heat was selling him, but has not seen this uh, development track and the fact that the Heat can just throw undrafted guys in uh, firsthand. Um, so, yeah, it's a positive from, from that standpoint. Like you said, it's also a positive from those uh, end-of-the-bench guys. It also just 
it really feels like the Heat, and I'm sure there are other teams like this, you know, the Jazz, like the Bucks. It just feels like anyone they develop, uh, the Warriors, honestly, are kind of like this too. Uh, anyone they develop is just like, there's a baseline where they're going to be a competent NBA player, right? Like, I think a lot of teams, you look at them, and, and the last two guys on the bench, you're like, that guy's either totally a developmental piece or, like, just a guy who's probably not going to be in the NBA in a year. Uh, and right now with the Heat, and, and KZ, I guess, was a developmental piece for the last couple of years where yeah. he clearly did not trust him to play. And, really and Marcus much. Garrett is right now. Even though he's playing right now because they need him to, he, he is a developmental guy. But, yeah, yeah. I, I – It feels like the Heat can go 10, 11, just like, you know, when they're fully healthy, like everyone on the court is – baseline competent and that goes a long way uh in the nba right now when um again like i said the heat are not being shorthanded because of covid but uh in the nba right now it, it, it helps a lot to just have 10 11 12 competent players yeah no, we're not even we're not even discussing caleb martin right who's another right. undrafted guy they, you know who has nba experience but kind of still unproven and trying to earn his way in the NBA and yeah. put together the best performance of his NBA career and then goes out in protocols and is expected back soon, I think probably at some point this week or at some point during his homestand. But he's another one that when he's healthy, he has a like he has an argument to be a consistent part of the rotation too. I mean, they're going to have some tough yeah. decisions to make uh, when these guys come back because so many guys have, have showed so much uh, while they've been shorthanded. Uh, last thing before we wrap up on this subject, just got to shout out Kyle Lowry, who we've like really yeah, not mentioned huge. during this yeah. conversation. But uh, as I said earlier, like he's the single biggest reason the Heat is winning right now. They needed him to play like an All Star, and Kyle Lowry has never been a conventional All Star, right? But he is playing like what All Star Kyle Lowry looked like right now, and he was not doing that honestly really before this stretch. Yeah, and it's and it's it's funny because I think when the stretch began, we said, "Oh well, Kyle's gonna have to take more shots. He's gonna have to score more. He's gonna have to be more aggressive with his own shot." He hasn't really done that. I mean, no, he's taking he's just playing shots a better a version of what he does well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like against the Pacers, eight points on three of nine shooting. He missed all five of his three point attempts, and the Heat still finished with twenty two threes because he's basically orchestrating everything on offense. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot of these shots that these guys are getting is because of him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think without him, this offense would look completely different. If it was, like, just Gabe Vincent at point guard or Tyler Hero at point guard, it would be a totally different offense. Kyle, Just having Kyle's presence on the court to kind of settle things without so many of the Heat's best playmakers, best screeners available um, has made a huge difference. And then, off, and then defensively, we know he's good and he leads the NBA in charges and is going to help on that end as well. But I think offensively, he's really, really helped kind of lead a group that, that needed a veteran kind of stabilize that unit. Yeah. He, I was skeptical about him being an all-star uh, early in the year. Um, and obviously probably, you know, if, if Jimmy and Bam were out there, he'd probably still look more like he did at the beginning of the year when he was kind of the third guy, right? Um, but he's he's made an all-star case. Like, I, it feels like he's going to be an all-star at this point. Also, can we can we just talk about, I mean, we talk about this every week, but Tyler Hero, I, I just... I mean, the jump he's made has been yeah. pretty remarkable. I mean, he's averaging 20 points a game on basically 40% shooting on threes, uh, five rebounds, four assists, uh, off the bench pretty much. He's 21. Yeah. He's still the youngest player on the team. Uh, I I just, it's pretty, I mean, I think that's been the biggest, 
there's been a lot of surprising things from this year, but that's been the biggest revelation. Yeah. And now we've just come to expect it. Like last night he scored 26 points. And it's still, yeah, okay, another Tyler Hero game. But the fact that it's become the norm, that's a really, really good thing for the Heat. And the fact that he's just he, – he's obviously not a finished product, um, that's an even better thing for the Heat. So a lot of encouraging things happening right now for this yeah. team. Yeah, Duncan getting going. He, I mean, he's really like – He's not Duncan, old Duncan Robinson yet, but in December he's been good. You know, yep. there's a couple, you know, maybe these developments were going to happen anyway, right? But um, the fact that they all have happened right when the Heat needs them and, um, you know, these guys are all being counted on more uh, goes a long way toward, I, I think, if I'm a Heat fan, I'm feeling really good about what this team is going to look like uh, come February when they are hopefully back to full strength. Why not full strength? do you think they have a chance to win the East? Including Victor Oladipo, I would say. We don't know what he's going to be when he comes back. Yeah, I mean, the Victor Oladipo thing is interesting, right? Um, but I would say, yeah. I mean, the fact that, you know, the Nets are, are in first and have been good, but um, have not been, I think, as dominant as I expected, right? Um, you know, 21-9 and nine is, is pretty good, but at the same time, like, it, it, the fact that James Harden seems to have taken a, a pretty significant step back this year, um, makes me think that he that they're not as invincible as I thought they would be. We'll see. You know, Kyrie Irving's going to play now. I guess as a part-time player. Uh, I guess he's in protocol, so not until January at this point. But we'll see what they look like when he is back. Um, and if he can, you know, that's still even with James Harden being what he is right now, that is still three of the twenty best players in the league, probably. So they yeah. they might. When it when they get Kyrie out, they still look kind of invincible, like I thought they were going to be. But right now, based on what we've seen from them, in, in particular Harden, um, and the fact the Bucks, you know, are good and but you know, could, they're kind of having that. You know, I'm basing everything off what I saw last year, but I didn't think they were invincible last year either. Obviously, I would say yeah, the Heat. I mean, they're they're the clear number three to me at this point, which. Um, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago we wouldn't have said that when the Bulls were on fire. But, yeah, I, I think the the short answer is yes, they can win the East. And I, I feel actually better about their chances to win the East probably right now than I did in the preseason. Yeah, or even like three well, weeks ago. Definitely more than I did like three weeks ago. But even yeah. in the preseason, because I thought the Nets and the Bucks were going to be head and shoulders above everyone else. And, you know, the Bucks, like I said, it's kind of like they won the championship last year. It feels like they're coasting a little bit. So maybe maybe what we're seeing in the regular season is a little misleading from them. But um, the fact that the Nets, again, like I said, James Harden just has not been the best player in the league anymore, right? Like you could have made the case for. He's now somewhere closer to 10 probably. Uh, I think goes a long way toward the way I feel about the Heat competing in the East. Yeah, and, and the fact, I mean, the Bucks, one thing that, is like is tangible that you could see is they're not they, they might not have Brooke Lopez for right. the rest of the season. I mean, he had yeah a lot of Demarcus Cousins for them, which I, I did not expect in the preseason. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, Brooke Lopez, we know how important he was in that series against the Heat last year with his rebounding and rim protection. I mean, he basically shut down the Heat's offense and Bam and Jimmy together just with his presence in the yep. paint. So it's a different Bucks team without him. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I feel better about the Heat chances long-term chances now than I did three weeks ago just because depth was always a question. And now I feel very good about this team's depth. So it's not as big a question anymore. Um, you know, I'm I'm curious to see what this looks like when, not even Victor, but just the guys who have started the year in the rotation when they're all back. 
Right. I mean, we don't know what it's going to look like. Whatever. Maybe they, maybe it doesn't fit. Like for whatever reason, maybe it takes yeah. some time to get going again once they integrate everyone back in. But uh, based on what we know, this te- team looked like when they were fully healthy. Based on the fact that they've played so few home games. Based on yeah. the fact that uh, they've been missing all these guys now and are keeping staying afloat. I, I feel like this Heat team is going to be a top three seed. And I feel like they are not as far behind those top two. There are other two top three seeds that I assume there will be, uh, as I thought they were at the start of the year. All right, Anthony, it is Christmas. uh, And to get in the holiday spirit, uh, we are going to uh, play a very uh, poorly inspired game. Uh, (laughs) Each of us are going to – what are the Heat wanting under the Christmas tree this year? We're each going to pick the number one gift that's on uh, Eric Spolstra's wish list this holiday season. Uh, I'll let you start. Uh, I'm going to go with the easy answer and say Victor Oladipo. Just because... One pull Victor Oladipo out of a box under the tree? Yeah, I don't know. It'd probably be an obvious gift if it's there, right? Just a huge 6-6 six, six box. Yeah. Um, yeah Fragile. Handle with care. <laughs> Handle with care, yeah. Um, we don't know yet when he'll be back. Again, like we've said many times in this podcast, February, March has seemed like the target range of dates uh, for his return. Um, he did travel with the team on the trip, so that's a positive sign, although yep. the team was very fast to mention that this does not mean his return is imminent, but you have to think that that's at least sign of pro- a sign of progress. He was working with coaches, getting shots up. He looked good. You know, obviously he's not doing five-on-five work yet or anything like that, but he looked good with what he was, you know, what he was doing on the court, making open threes, you know, as as most players do in the NBA, but you know, it's a good sign that he's on his feet and not no you know no sign of limp or no sign of like even being slowed up by the knee injury. Um, so I'm really curious to see what it looks like. I'm sure the Heat are too. I mean, we still like, Victor's played four games with the Heat since he was traded down yeah. to them, and you know this team is a lot different than it was last year. So what's he going to look in the lineup? You know, is he going to be the seventh guy is going to be immediately in the bench rotation. I mean, Tyler's obviously has that six-man role. I don't think Victor's going to start if this team is healthy. Um, but where will he fit in the rotation, and what can he provide them? I mean, just a few years ago, he was one of the team's best, one of the NBA's best two-way players. I mean, defensively, yeah. I think people don't people forget how good he was. I think he was an all-defensive guy. Um, so I think he really helped them, especially in a series like Brooklyn, where you need as many defenders as you can to guard that trio. Um, he'd be, I think he'd be really important. So we kind of know what the ceiling of this team is, but we really don't for sure until Victor comes back. I, I think depending on how he looks, um, it could really elevate kind of even what we perceive the ceiling of this team to be. Yeah. I mean, he feels like a guy who I think the like long-term vision for like what he can be again is either like, you know, a, a solid like fourth or fifth best starter, right? Like a, or a very good fourth or fifth best starter uh, who, like, can defend, mostly emphasize the defense and then can do a little bit on the offensive end. Or uh, a great six-man, like, six-man-of-the-year contender, six-man. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at some point in his career that is, like, the culmination of this, uh, like, redemption story he has, this 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 comeback story he has. is kind of like what Derrick Rose, right, like, where he became a, a legit six-man-of-the-year contender um, over the last couple of years in Detroit and, and New York. That's kind of where I see this eventually going for Victor Oladipo, and the fact that the Heat also have probably the sixth man of the year in Tyler Hero, and then this other guy who that's just what I picture for for Victor Oladipo is being that great two-way sixth man who can score in bunches maybe when you need it, and then can also slot in 
uh, as like your fifth starter essentially in a pinch to to defend and do the little things. Um, it kind of makes him. It, it feels like a perfect kind of long term fit for him, and and it we've talked obviously a lot about the Heat's depth on this episode. Um, the fact that you could have the sixth man of the year and then slot in this other guy who just feels like such a perfect, like what teams are looking for in a sixth man to be basically your seventh guy, maybe. And, and, you know, probably end up ultimately being even lower in the rotation, but obviously kind of being that second sixth man role, uh, I think will, will go a long way for this team. Uh, especially if, you know, at some point Tyler Hero might be a starter for this team, right? Like I know the sixth man is working really well, but like come playoff time when you're like, you know, if you lose a couple games and you're like, all right, we got to figure something out, like Tyler Hero goes into the starting lineup would like be the most obvious lineup change to make uh, if his team is struggling uh, come playoff time. You know, once they, or once they've got him his uh, 42 games off the bench so he can win that award. Uh, having Victor Oladipo as that next guy who can and fill that sixth man role, it's just a, such a perfect extra piece to have. Obviously, if he looks uh, like what we think he can look like potentially yeah it's it's just it's just crazy that we've touched on that on this episode but just like three months ago we were discussing if this heat team is you know the biggest you know, like, can, can victor oladipo be the eighth man the seventh man and yeah. now it's like hey doesn't they don't need that it'd be it's I a mean, luxury it's a luxury I, gift at this point i'm like i think that he one of the deepest teams in the nba <laughs> I think that it's, it's kind of crazy how the narrative is kind of flipped i might be yeah. overreacting to the last few games but I mean, when you just look when this team is healthy and a Victor Oladipo's in there and you have the sixth man of the year and you have Victor Oladipo, an all-star three years ago, as like your eighth man, you have Deadman as your backup center. and Stru- I mean, it, this is a very deep team. Um, and actually, I think depth, their depth could be a strength down the stretch. Yeah. And, of course, Marquise is just a guy we've yeah. not mentioned a lot. Um, Eric Spolster, for me, uh, under his Christmas tree, is opening, this, uh, and I don't even know how it would be wrapped, but uh, the concept of Duncan Robinson shooting 43% from three after Christmas. The smiling, um, it's a smiling face of Duncan Robinson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a, a IOU 43% shooting <laughs> from long range in the second half of the year. Uh, right now he is at 34.6%, uh, which is not good. Um, since the start of December, though, he is at, pull it up right here, uh, 38.8%, which is pretty good, and not far off his career average, which is right around 40%. Um, I think we've all known that something like this stretch was coming, right? The 38%, like I, we said it all along. He was not going to shoot 32% all year long. Um, he was going to at least get, for the rest of the year, you know, it was going to be hard to pull that way up to 40%, but he was going to shoot probably 38, 42% down the stretch. And if he can do that, when I say 43% shooting, um, I mean, if they do that, then like, if he, which is like, I think we would say is like good Duncan Robinson, right? That is, um, you know, it's not the year when he shot 46% or whatever it was, but that is like come playoff time. Like that's probably where if he's shooting that well, you have a chance to win the championship. Um, so that is, that's the number one thing for me because he is, you know, obviously, if he plays the way he's played this last month, like I said, this team can win a championship. But if he brings that up even higher to that 43%, which is a very arbitrary mark I've set, um, that feels like the the number where, like, if he does that, you're like, oh, my God, this Heat offense is unstoppable. Well, I just did the math while you were talking, David. Um, okay. 
And if he shoots 43% for the rest of the season, averaging the attempts he's doing, uh he'll finish at 39.7% from three, which is kind of like... That's about his average career. Yeah, if the math... It's like 40.6 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, last year shot 40 points. It would would actually be the worst he shot since his rookie season, which really doesn't count. He played 15 games. He was on a two-way contract. Um, He shot 40.8% last year. So if the math... Like just kind of plays out. I mean, it should work out that way. He should actually shoot forty three percent on threes the rest of the year, just to kind of get back to where he he should probably finish. So, um, I guess not to you're, you're doing another like Tyler Hero Six Man of the Year award type thing here. Well, uh, I'm just saying it's what he wants. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not making a bold prediction. I think he's going to shoot forty percent the rest of the way. Come on, go like forty eight percent. Well, they, he, he shoots forty eight percent the rest of the year. That he's the favorite for the championship. <laughs> Yeah, he's a better shooter than Steph Curry at that point. Yeah. Um, no, but that's I think that's. I mean, if he finishes at thirty nine point seven percent, I don't think you and I would be surprised, right? No, so. not at all. I, I mean, again, I, I think the thirty, the, the how bad the start was and how long it went. Like, I, I think we thought this again. He's shooting about thirty nine percent this month, um, which is pretty good. Obviously, it's not far off his career averages. Um, but I think we thought that this stretch that he's in right now was probably coming three weeks earlier than it did, than it ultimately did. So it's, it was a tough hole to dig out of, um, considering how long, again, that, that bad start went. But, you know, it's it's reasonable. And um, I think the the last month, you know, it was it was pretty dark there for a little while. I think the last month has gone a long way to – Given given Heat fans some uh, some reason for hope about what he can be in the second half of the year. Yeah, I, I he think he's at thirty two point eight percent before this stretch started in the first twenty one games, which is like horrible. Yeah, not great. But slumps happen, right? As you yeah, said. and it just happened for him at the beginning of the season, which isn't. And I think it went right. a little longer than we all expected. Yeah, yeah, but I, I still think he might not get back to thirty nine point seven percent. But I would be surprised if he finishes under like thirty seven percent. Yeah, def- definitely. Yeah, I mean, he, like I said, well, he's shooting 38.8% right now. Like, if he finishes at about that, like, for the rest of the year, that's a win, considering how this started. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, I like that. I think, I think Spo would be happy with that gift. Yeah. All right, I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, you got anything you're working on right now? No Christmas game this year? No. Uh, which is a, a nice little gift. That's a nice gift for Anthony Chang under the tree. Yeah, and I'm, I'm enjoying my time at home. It's been a grind. It's been yeah, a lot of road games. A lot of road games, and I mean, I think they have a, a seven game road yeah, trip coming up. Not even over now. This, this road. Like it's kind of crazy. Like it feels like they have played every game on the road, and they still have a giant road trip like right around the corner. Yeah, I think tied for their longest road trip of the, of in franchise history, I believe, coming up uh, seven games. Yeah, that goes inexplicably from San Antonio to Houston to Sacramento to Golden State to Portland to Phoenix, and then to Atlanta. Yeah, I guess it was on the on the way home. Yeah, um, you got you so, got to transfer in Atlanta, as everyone knows. Yeah, right. It's just yeah, it's a layoff. Yeah, I mean, on, there is actually quick quick note about that. They play Phoenix January eighth on a Saturday, and mm-hmm. they close the trip on Wednesday, January twelfth. Oh yeah, that's weird. Atlanta. I'm looking at that right now. That's a huge long. What are they doing during that? Are they They're coming, coming home? home. They're yeah. coming home on Sunday because why would they just be in out? Like they can practice like twice in that stretch, yeah, and uh, and do some work at home. So they're gonna come home. That's a weird break. Why trip. is that break there? I don't know. It's been a weird. It's kind of been a weird schedule. I mean, the, the prior trip was 
Cleveland, Philly, Orlando, and then back yeah, up to Detroit. Right, yeah, usually Orlando's the last game on the trip. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have some questions for the NBA schedule makers this year, but I haven't had an opportunity yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the good news is we haven't had any games uh, be no. canceled or postponed no. or anything. Knock yeah. on wood. Uh, on, like like the wood. Panthers have and uh, Miami football is having some issues, it sounds like, this week. So uh, the Heat have, have at least skated past all of that. Um, and like you said, no no Christmas games. It's, uh, I, I, I love NBA on Christmas, um, just being able to watch all the games. And I feel like when the Heat plays, and you obviously you feel the same way, you, you kind of miss out on everything else, right? Yeah, and, I love NBA games on Christmas except when the Heat is playing. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think Suns Warriors is a Christmas game this year. Is that right? I believe so. It's yeah, just we don't know what the Christmas awesome. games are going to look like with everything. Yeah, I know play. with everything, but uh, I'll take any excuse to watch Steph Curry play on like at a, not the middle of the night because I think that's like the five o'clock. The game five o'clock something. game and then Lakers Nets at eight p.m. Which, yeah. I mean, I don't so know if we'll, we'll be available for that game, but <laughs> the Lakers are just the, that's not a fun team to watch. No, and we I think we both called that, right? Not yeah, I think so. The roster construction. I, I, I'm a big LeBron guy. You know, I'm pro-LeBron. I think we both picked that. I remember a couple of years ago, I think it was the year they won the championship. We picked them to win the championship, both of us. The year they beat the Heat in the bubble year. I think at the start of that year, we picked them to win the championship. So we're we're LeBron believers, but uh, oof. Not, and I, not. I became a little bit of a Russ believer last year watching that end of the year run with the Wizards, but it just it, it never made sense. Yeah, it'll fit. It just, I mean, Russ on, like, maybe the Nets might fit, right, with all the shooters, but not with the Lakers and the way they need yeah. to space the floor with around LeBron it's and AD. of entirely power. Remember when people made fun of the Knicks for signing, like, seven power forwards that one yeah. year? Yeah. That's what the Lakers are, but they're also Russell Westbrook is basically a power forward, so even their point guard is essentially <laughs> power forward. The three best players are power forwards who yeah. don't want to take threes. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson2. Uh, not a whole lot going on this week. Uh, signing day was busy last week, state championships. So uh, if you if you like football, we had a lot on uh, MiamiHerald.com last week. Um, coasting into into the holidays, especially since the Panthers are off. It, it's made this week a little quiet. Uh, but thanks, as always, for listening, everyone. And uh, we will talk to you all next week. <laughs>